0: Well, hey, man, how are we doing this Memorial Day weekend? We doing good? We're glad to be here? Well, good morning. My name is Matt Randall. I'm your Greenwood Campus Pastor. I'm excited to share week two of this series called Drifting. Uh, Danny kicked us off with week one last week. Before we do, though, you got to know I'm a little bit more excited than normal uh, because my wife and I are celebrating 10 years of marriage this weekend. So I'm excited to share that with you. Here's a picture of us. We went back to the scene of the crime in Franklin this week and just to spend a little time remembering uh, what it was like uh, to be there. And a little shout out to our Franklin campus down there. But um, yeah, 10 years of, of wedded bliss, is that what we're supposed to say? Uh, it is well worth it. Those of you who are considering marriage or you are in marriage, you know this to be true. It's well worth it. And I'm glad to share a little bit of this weekend uh, that we're excited about with you. Uh, but I'm here to share week two of our series called Drifting. Dana kicked us off last week. Um, and uh, work through some ideas that as we talk to people and we try to understand where they're at in their spiritual lives, uh, they come to us with various questions and concerns and thoughts that are going on in their life. And what we found is, is that many people could probably be described as drifting. They might find themselves uh, drifting in their spiritual lives or maybe in their marriages one way or the other. And so uh, this series is, is intended to help des- uh, to um, give us an idea of how we overcome that feeling in our lives. And what we said, and I'll say, we'll say it again uh, this week, it's first filling in your notes, is that a drifting life can feel meaningless. A drifting life can feel meaningless. We, we said last week that uh, maybe that you uh, are progressing to this life, but yet you f- feel like you have a lack of clarity or a lack of vision. Maybe some of you are just waiting for what happens next. Uh, we call that mailbox money in my family, right? You trot out to the mailbox, hoping there's some extra money in there this week. Uh, there's usually not. I think that's only happened to us once, so maybe we're not that lucky. Um, But maybe you have no plan for your life. You're making progress, but you don't see a light at the end of the tunnel. And yet even some of us wonder what our life is all about or whether there's worth in it. It might feel meaningless. So if you're here today and you feel like your life is meaningless, I'm here to tell you something very, very clearly, that your life is matters, that you are important, that you matter to God. But As we process this idea, last week in Donald Miller's book, Danny referenced this statement to get us started. I want to show it to you one more time. He says, he says this, I wonder then if when people say life is meaningless, <clears throat> what they really mean is their lives or their lives are meaningless. And he goes on to say, I wonder if they've chosen to believe their whole existence is unremarkable and they're projecting that dreary life on the rest of us. You see, there's a comical way to look at that, but there's also a very real way to look at that. And the idea that many of us find ourselves drifting from time to time. So we're here to talk about how we get out of that. Your life matters, you matter to God. So so how do we progress out of a drifting life? Well, it's in your notes. To avoid drifting, we have to value what God values. We have to value what God values. We mentioned this last week as well. So that poses a question for us. We have to find out what God values. What's the most important thing to God? Well, I'm, I'm glad to share with you what we believe it is in the context of this series, is that the first thing God values is his relationship with us. The first thing God values is his relationship with you and with me. You don't have to look very far in the Bible to find this to be true. Uh, when Moses climbed the mountain and came back down with those tablets that we have we now call the Ten Commandments uh, written on them. The first and foremost commandment was this in Exodus chapter 20. You must not have any other God but me. Oh, by the way, God reminded them ahead of this commandment that, hey, I'm that, guy that, I'm that God that saved you from slavery out of Egypt, just in case you had forgotten. So worship none other than me. Now, what I love about what Jesus would say related to this commandment later, some religious leaders of the day tried to trick him into picking, cherry-picking one of the commandments out to be the most important, to get him in some trouble. But in Matthew chapter 22, these are the words of Jesus when asked what's the greatest commandment. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I want everybody to say this word with me right here love. You see, the idea of love, what Jesus does here is he takes a command, an instruction, a mandate, a measuring stick, that we should worship no other God but him, and he makes it relational. So he explains the intent of the commandment in the first place, is that it's about a relationship with God. That love is what's required, not simply meeting some mandate. So how do we know that we are loving God? I'm very grateful that the Master Jesus had some words to say about that as well. And here they are. Jesus said, Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them. And here's my favorite part. And I will love them and, say it with me, reveal myself to each of them. You see, when you live a life of drifting, where I was trying to understand what that's about The promise here is, is that if we love God above all else, he'll love us back. And not only that, Jesus, with this promise, says that he will reveal himself. You see, this talk this week, uh, and I feel like God does this to me every time, is not just some other uh, fun thing to talk about. It's actually real for me in my life. You see, a couple of years ago, I found myself in this place of drifting, and if you were just to look at the outside, the external circumstances, you might not think that. Because to be honest with you, I had a, probably a, if you, you were to top 10 checklist, like I got was checking boxes like nobody's business as a young 30-something-year-old. I had a, a wife that loved me somehow, I'm not sure how that happens still, uh, uh, through all of my faults and all of my failures. I had, we had two kids, one of which we were uh, blessed enough to be able to raise. Uh, we had a house that we could afford. I had a 2012 Hyundai Veloster sitting in my garage. I mean, come on, seriously. Uh, All of these check boxes we could check off. I had a job in a career that I loved, that I was kind of good at. I worked on a team. We were winning national awards. Uh, I once got to drive a race car at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, 135 miles an hour, uh, mashed it to the floor. Literally pulled my calf muscle, mashing the pedal to the floor. Uh, That's a true story. All of these things, like I check off, like, man, things are just going, going really well. Like, I, you know, I had been progressing, progressing in, in my career, felt really good about how things were going. But I want to show you the place in which I felt God tap me on the shoulder and say, hmm, I'm not sure this is the plan for you. And he knew all along. But I want to show you that picture. This is the clubhouse at Whistling Straits in Kohler, Wisconsin. Now, if you're not a golfer, this means absolutely nothing to you. I'm a bad golfer. Let me just put it that way. Uh, But every other year or so, I was part of this group. Somehow I got invited uh, to go up to this trip in in Wisconsin and play some of the best golf literally in the United States. It's one of the top five courses in the United States every year. Um, We had just gotten there three months after the PGA Championship had been through. It's just crazy, incredible stuff. I'm a terrible golfer, but I played the best golf of my life. I'm, I'm sitting at dinner in this clubhouse, with people 10, 20, 30, 40 years in the field that I'm working in, uh, with important policy leaders and all kinds of uh, important people around me at this table. And I felt God tap me on the shoulder. And as I looked around, He said, you know, this is not where I want you. And what started then was a period of drifting in my life in which I was able to, to pour into some things that ended up turning that around for me. So I'm going to share with you some of those ideas today that I promise you will be valuable for you if you're drifting in any area of your life. But man, in that time in those weeks, at first it was a week or two of, wow, I wonder what God's doing. He's got something up his sleeve. Hmm." Then it turned to, what really is this all about? Okay, then it turned to frustration. All right, God, seriously, come on, what are you doing? Seriously, and I would talk to God on my drives to different meetings back and forth. And there was a particular drive up to northern Indiana, to the middle of nowhere, where I saw a cheesy church sign. Anybody see a church, cheesy church sign before? Now we hear it at, at uh, Emmanuel. we don't do cheesy church signs. Uh, they can be valuable, and, and I'm actually going to prove one to you. I'm in the middle of nowhere driving to a meeting frustrated with God because no answer had been given to me yet about what I thought he was going to be doing in my life. And a cheesy church sign was how God smacked me in the face. This is what the sign said. Until God opens the door, praise him in the hallway. Now, that's a cheesy quote. You want to know what's funny? I get a cold chill just thinking about this actually right now. I was a lobbyist in my previous career. The work that we do, we say that we work in the hallway. We work in the hallway. Immediately I knew, okay, God, all right, fine. Cheesy church sign. I got you. Okay, mm -hmm, I understand. And it was at that point that I poured deeper into what he had to say. And over the course of that time, I will tell you, I got out of my drift. And in that time, I heard God saying something to me. Yeah, it was a cheesy church sign here. It was an an interesting moment with a friend and a conversation here, conversations with my wife. But I heard him saying something, and I want you to say it with me this morning. Say it along with me. Here's what I heard God saying through that period of time. He said, I want you to want me. I want you to want me. <clears throat> I need you. To, uh, am I the only one that can't sing? <laughs> I'd love you to love me. Yeah. So I, okay, fine. It's an '80s. It's an '80s song reference. But I felt God saying, "Listen, listen. I love you." And we've talked about love around here is simply wanting, wanting what's best for another person, right? So what God wanted best for me was to want Him. So let's talk about what I learned in that period of time that I promise you'll be valuable in any area of your life that you're drifting. Here's what we have to do. There's only one point in your notes this week. We're going to unpack it, okay? So it's going to take a few minutes. You're not out of here in 30 seconds. But here's the bang for buck. Make him your top priority. Number one and only one in your notes this week. We have to make him our top priority. If I was to ask you about what, are the, what, what kind of priorities do you have in your life? Some of you would say, oh, my kids are my kids' success. Some of you would say, oh, well, maybe it's, um, uh, maybe it's my health. Okay, well, f- for those of you who would say your health, maybe there's some meal plan that you're on, right, trying to lose some weight. I think there's probably a meal plan my wife would like me to lose this donut with. But um, maybe it's some workout regimen, which also my wife would probably want for me. But uh, I'm kidding. So the, the idea that there's some kind of structure, right, some kind of activities that are going on in your life. Let me tell you what priorities look like in my house. I'm going to show you a picture of what priorities look like in my house. It's teeth, ladies and gentlemen. This is Graham. He's our four-year-old. I'm not allowed to say he's crazy. So he's an amazing four-year-old. No, he really is awesome. Uh, But for in our house, priorities are teeth. You see, Graham here is four. So every single night before bed, we have the same conversation every single time. You have to brush your teeth, Graham. You got to brush your teeth. Listen, dude, the sugar bugs will eat your teeth. They will fall out, and you don't want a mouth with no teeth, do you? No. Go brush your teeth. Now, I may have to ask God for forgiveness someday for the whole sugar bugs eating teeth. I'm pretty sure that's physically, like physics. I think that's how it works. But anyways, the point is is that every day we encourage my child to brush his teeth for a reason. This idea that there is an activity that we do on purpose for a reason, that's not new to anybody. And in Dallas Willard's book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, he actually makes this spiritual for us. Here's what he says. He says, To undertake the disciplines is to take our activities, our lives, seriously. And suppose that the following of Christ is at least as big a challenge as playing the violin or jogging or losing weight or paying off debt. Because... Do we take our relationship with Jesus as seriously as we do our money? For those of you staring at that checking account balance every week, hoping on that mailbox money, or our 401k, am I ever going to be able to retire? Do we take it as seriously as our child's achievements or our kids, our relationship with our kids? If I can just be their best friend, they'll tell me everything so they'll never be in trouble and be angels forever. Yet some of us, let me get a little deeper, maybe it's our job. You see, in my period, in my period of drifting, my work, my job, became the most important thing. It became my priority. Even when I wasn't working, I was worried about working. When the stress at work didn't stop, it came home with me. I became consumed with my work as a way to measure my success at a time. Because I can tell you even more plainly, maybe for us it's about church attendance, God's been doing incredible things around here at Emmanuel. You're inviting your friends. They're showing up. They're coming. God's doing crazy work in their lives. But we still know the average Emmanuel attender only comes about twice a month. Friends, I'm here to tell you 50% is not a priority. 50% is not a priority. If you feel yourself drifting and yet you connect with God only twice a month or so through his people here at the church, you shouldn't be surprised there's some drifting in your life. And for me, this idea that I had to prioritize him got real, really quickly. And I'll tell you what I did. I started to seek him through his word with my time. How do you know what something's a priority? I forgot to tell you that 100% of the time you can find your priorities where you spend your time. So that time I started spending with God got a lot more practical. I started to seek him through his word. And as I did that, well, we've all heard the, the, the verse at one point or another if we've been around church a little bit. Psalm 119, 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Now, some of you have been around church a little bit. You dropped an unto in there a couple times. That's okay. You could do that. A light into my feet or, uh, and a lamp into my path. You see, but some of us, we just play around with our Bible, don't we? We read a one-year New Testament for a couple days in a row, or some of us even get so excited. We do a four- or five-day devotional. We feel really great about ourselves, and then we forget to read our Bible for a couple weeks, and then we feel like, ah, I just can't get my relationship with Jesus right. Some of us, we just play around with it. But I'm here to tell you, if the relationship with God is the most important thing uh, for Him, for you, we have to spend time in His Word. And I'll tell you, when I started doing that, In my time of drifting, it was not long before God started to show me exactly what he had to say about the things that were going on in my life. I started to think about work. You know what? The book of Ecclesiastes has some awesome things to say about work and what's meaningless and what's not. The book of Ecclesiastes says that if you all of the gains and the success and the finances and the wealth that you gain through work is useless compared to the companionship of other people to share those things with. And then I thought about the idea of money. What does money mean for me? What place does it have in my heart? In Proverbs chapter 22, start to see what God has to say about that. I started wrestling with the idea of of the sins in my life, whether I was worthy or not worthy or or wondering if if I was even uh, uh, worthy of a call by God at all. James chapter 4 verse 10. I learned that if I'm simply humble, he'll lift me up in my period of drifting. I went back to Philippians 4, 6 and 7 when I started having anxiety and worry and stress about what it was that God was doing in my life. Uh, I've told the story before, but we lost a little guy very, very late in pregnancy. And uh, I went to this as my life verse because I found that if I have anxiety, worry, or hurt, or pain, all I have to do is lift it up. And even then I started to think about the work-family balance, work-life balance, as you've heard it said. In 1 Timothy 5.8, do you know the Bible tells you that if you don't take care of your family as a believer, you're actually worse off than an unbeliever. And even yet, wisdom was really what I needed. And while it's found throughout all of the Bible, regardless of whatever can be found, I found something in Psalm chapter one eleven verse 10. It says, fear of the Lord, respect for God, placing him high, honoring him. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom, and all who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. You see, in my life, these spoke directly to the issues that I was dealing with, and it didn't take long. It didn't take but a week or two to start seeing this big picture of what God had to say about what I was wrestling with. But you see, some of you right now, I'm giving you some ammo, right, for what you're dealing with in your life, but you're still fighting with me. I know you are. You're still arguing with me. You say, Matt, listen, I, you're telling me to read my Bible. That's so simple. You don't understand how busy I am. These 23 kids of mine keep me pretty busy, okay? I don't have time to read every single, oh, you know what? I got a version for you. Did you know this is the one-year New Testament? Five to ten minutes a day you can spend with God to hear what he has to say about you. You You too busy? got a version for you. Not yet, oh, Matt, seriously, come on, man. Uh, the Bible's just hard to understand. Like, I wish it was written in, like, today's language. I just want to get out, like, the main idea. <gasps> I got a version for you. Welcome to the message, ladies and gentlemen. The message is a version of the Bible that's written specifically with that intent in mind, to let you get the big ideas out and even paraphrase certain sections that many people have found confusing over the years without in-depth study. The message might be for you. Matt, listen, sometimes I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and there's a, there's a thing, like, so he healed the 5,000, but, like, did that happen before or after he healed the paralyzed person, or, like, then there's the guy on the mat that they let through the roof, like, but did, when did, I got a version for you, did you know the story is written from front to back chronologically? You'll never be confused again about what happened when in the story of Jesus, because I know some of you are real worried about that, right? You don't want to get your timelines confused. And yet I know some of you say, "Mm, Matt, come on, man. You're making it sound so simple, but like some of these names and places and like the stuff that's going on, the cultures and stuff, it's just hard to understand. (gasps) I got a version for you. You want to see it? I got a version for you. Welcome to the, hey, Becky, look at that Bible, it's so big version. (laughs) This is the study Bible. Did you know that there's a version of the Bible that gives you context and names and places and hey man, who read that book about Ecclesiastes and stuff? Oh, it actually helps you explain how to say the word Ecclesiastes for those of you with tongue-tied problems too. The study Bible can help you fill in all those contexts that you've been missing if you're trying to study the Bible. And I know even some of us are saying, look, it's just hard. I read it once and I, it's hard to understand. And maybe even some of you look at me and you say, Matt, uh, my first language is Finnish. Guess what? i have an answer to your problem. Did you know, first of all, that the Emmanuel app, free to download on any service that you like, comes with a free one-year New Testament? You don't even have to go buy one for $4 in our bookstore. We give it to you for free. You can find that on your home computer, your laptop, and your mobile device at any time of the day. But yet, even though some of you who might be Finnish as your first language or Slovakian, I'm not real sure, did you know the Bible app? That's what it's called. You can Google it. The Bible app has 1,200 versions of the Bible in 900 languages and countless devotions and studies to help you go deeper because some of you think that's that's your problem. Here's my thing, guys. Spending time in the Word of God is not hard. If you find it hard, come back to me. I'll find the answer to your excuse because there are versions and easy ways for you to get plugged in. Because as I found myself drifting and working my way out of that, I made him a priority, which meant that I spent some time. I got into the word because I knew that's how God speaks to me and speaks to the issues that I'm dealing with. And I'll tell you some other thing, too. When I started spending time in the word, it changed the way that I prayed. So here's my encouragement for, for you this week. You have to be open with him in prayer. You have to be open with God in your prayer. Dallas Willard's, uh, in the same book, The Spirit of the Disciplines, talking about how how do we wrap up some of these, these sometimes hard disciplines in our life and plug them in practically to the life that we live every day. Here's what he says about the idea of prayer that I want to work through today. He says, If we see needs met because we've asked God alone, our faith in God's presence and care will be greatly increased. But there's a but. He says, But if we always tell others of the need, we will have little faith in God, and our entire spiritual life will suffer because of it. You see, I think this idea, the idea about being open and transparent and just just giving God openness in our prayer, I think without this idea, we can be held back in a perpetual state of drifting in our marriage, in in our spiritual life, wherever it is. You see, because if we, go to, if we go to other people first, before we go to God, we're doing it wrong. That's not making God the priority. In fact, I want to speak to those of you in the crowd who might be type, amen, and share people on our social media platforms. When something heavy hits your life or in the life of someone that you know, we are quick to jump onto a social media platform and post generic unspoken prayer request, please pray for me. Now listen, let me be perfectly clear. Jesus appreciates that we ask others in our small groups and our family and our friends and those that follow Jesus to pray for us, but he wants your prayer first. Pray before you post. You hear me? You got to pray before you post because your relationship with God is the most important thing if we're making it a priority. And you know, we get encouragement from Jesus straight from the mouth of Jesus about this idea of being open with him in prayer. And here's what he says in Matthew chapter 7. Say it with me. Keep on asking and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you'll find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. You see, last week, Danny walked us through And we all recited with him the Lord's Prayer, right? Our Father who art in heaven, insert version here. When he walked us through that prayer, the idea that Jesus was getting through was how to pray. Now, for some of us, the recitation of certain words in our prayer can be valuable. For instance, during my time of drifting, I asked God with the same phrase in my heart that came out in my writing and of my mouth. I asked him for abundant clarity. So I, in my prayers to Jesus, I said, listen, I know you're doing something big, but make it abundantly clear that it's you, so that I can't deny that you're the one that's doing this. You can do that. You can insert those things, but the Lord's prayer and instruction in prayers is more about how to pray. When we pray consistently for God's will through us and our hearts to be done on earth just as easy as it is for God to do his will in heaven, it starts to change the way that we pray. When we see that encouragement in scripture, it starts to change the way that we have our conversations with God. And today I want to show you just two days back to back in my journal from that time to give you an example of what it looks like when you're in the middle of drifting and you're asking God for some clarity and how it can come to you when you plug these things into practice. You see, I had a meeting on a particular day that I was a little bit stressed about. And so here was my prayer that morning. I said, Lord, today is your day. Guard my heart against all pride and selfishness in this meeting. Please be bold in showing me the way to go, even if it's not the way that I think you're going. I have felt you move and clear this path for me. Help me to trust in you alone and lean not on my own understanding. Guide my wife today as well. Cover her workplace with your overpowering peace. And thank you for the opportunities that you have given me. Help me to honor you in all my words and actions today. That meeting I had that day went pretty well. God actually provided clarity in my drifting. It was that morning before the meeting, though, that I prayed After reading Colossians 3.23, work hard as if you're working for the Lord. I learned that I should be constant in prayer through my readings that morning. The meeting went well, and I want to read to you the prayer that I prayed the next day. Lord, thank you for being so obvious. Thank you for guiding my path and making this road easy to see. I'm not worthy of what you call me to, but I'll never honor you. I'm sorry. I will honor you. (laughs) Yeah, sorry about that one. But I will honor you by giving my heart to you. Lord, let me be like those early churches and burn so brightly for you that people can't help but talk about your work in me. Thank you for listening to my heart and for granting my desires for comfort. Lord, protect my heart's desire for my family as I'm tempted by the amazing work you prepare for me. And cover my wife. Guide her every word and step. Use me as an encourager in however most valuable I can be to her. And guide my meetings ahead and give me the words to say. God kept guiding my words to say. I had very tough meetings that went really well for no other reason but God. You see, in my relationship with God, I have times where, just like you, we have worries and stresses and, and things that, that cause us to feel a little distant and maybe like we're drifting away. But I will promise you that plugging these things into the, any period of drifting in your life will be as valuable for you as it has been for me. Because every single time that I have felt that feeling, that, that draw, that, that pull away, that drift... It has always gone back to my relationship with God. Every single time. Drifting in my marriage, it's my relationship with God. Trying to figure out how to raise an amazing four-year-old, my relationship with God. It's what he says about parenting and the comfort that he provides. How do I feel about money? Do I get too concerned about it or what my accounts look like? It's my relationship with God. And I'll encourage you, it's the same for you. And for those of you who might not call Jesus a, a Savior or haven't trusted him yet for the first time, to hear a guy up here saying, hey, by the way, that feeling that you're feeling, that little, that, that point of depression in your life or, or that struggle that you're going through, uh, the worry that you have, that feeling like you're drifting away from people and something that you don't understand, to hear me say that it's about your relationship with God might feel weird. It might feel weird off the bat. But I can tell you that because I started to trust Jesus, and are consistent, and I'm consistently working every day to trust him a little more, I know for a fact that's what it is. And so if you haven't yet trusted Jesus, if you haven't yet let him into your heart, we just read that Jesus tells us to keep knocking, right? Keep knocking and he'll open the door to us. For those not yet trusting Jesus, the flip side is true. He stands at that door, He stands at your door and knocks. And if you have an uncomfortable feeling that you've been wrestling with either today for the first time or has been wrestling with you for a while, my encouragement to you is to just acknowledge that that's Him knocking. He knocks. He waits. His question to you is, are you ready? Will you open the door? So today I just want to give you an opportunity to open that door of trust to Jesus. And we do that through prayer around here. It's an openness in prayer, you might say. So if you'd like to trust Jesus, you can use my words and make them your own. If your heart is ready and you want to lift your own words to God, you can do that in this moment too. But if you're here today and you're ready to trust, trust him and what he did for you, pray with me. Lord, we come to you today, and I come to you as someone who will never measure up. I know the standards are high, and, and yet I know I'm going to miss them. So, Lord, I just ask that the, the sin and the, the weight that I carry for the wrong that I know I've done against what you call me to, and also against the people in my lives, I just want to give that to you today. I know that you can take it. You can forgive me. You can wash me as white as snow. So Lord, as I, as I wrestle with being distant from you, I, I just ask that as I step to you today to take what little bit of faith, what little bit of trust that I have and to grow it. Lord, I trust you today. I trust that as I've heard that you you came to this earth as the perfect sacrifice, the only way that the sins of this world could be forgiven, that my sins could be forgiven. And Lord, I trust in that today. As I continue to walk in a journey with you, I just ask that you help me to trust you a little more each and every day. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what you did for me. It's in your name, the only name that I can pray this prayer. Jesus, that I pray. Amen. You know, if you started a relationship with Jesus today, it's the most important thing to God for you. God loves you. He wants what's best for you. And what's best for you is what he has to say about you. You know, and I might have made a joke earlier about the one-year Bible taken five to ten minutes a day, but that's valuable time with the Savior of your life. So if you made a decision to trust Jesus for the first time today, we want to give you one of these for free. And you can do that by seeing our starting point tables in the back corner of our auditorium. If you're watching on the podcast, uh, you can send us an email, and we'd love to send you one of these in the mail for free. Because you see, for someone who's just beginning to trust Jesus getting inside our hearts what he has to say about us is the most important thing to build that relationship. So I ask you, be bold today. Take a step and go back there and talk to our folks at our Starting Point tables. And they're going to tell you also about Starting Point, which is a four-week conversational environment that we put on around here. And whether you're just starting out with Jesus and you have questions, maybe you've been around a long time and you have questions that may, maybe never been answered. Maybe you've come from a, maybe a different denomination or different faith background or whatever it is, and you've got some heavy stuff that you'd love to kind of work through in a conversational, safe environment. Well, guess what? Starting points just for you, too. You can find more information about eclife.org if that's you. But for those of you who just today trusted Jesus. I would like to start the party that's about to go on in heaven right now because we're told in the Bible that every sinner, every person that trusts Jesus, there's a party going on up in heaven. So can we celebrate with everybody that's made that decision? (laughs) This stuff matters. Some of you walked in today and maybe you felt like, oh, that's super simple. Spend time with God and read my Bible. Guess what? The answer to a drifting life is the same for all of us. It's our relationship with God at first. That's the first and most important thing to him, and it should be the most important thing to us if we're trying to get this life right. So I want to challenge you this week. Plug these things in. I dare you, I dare you to come back next week and find me. I'll be here, will you? Find me and tell me that you did these things this week and it didn't do anything for you. I'd love to talk to you next week. Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you today grateful that you challenge us in our hearts. We know that the Holy Spirit in us is what challenges us to be better for you. And Lord, I just ask that you help, help us take some steps this week to, to trust you a little more and to get our way out of drifting in this world. Lord, we know the answer is our relationship with you. Help us to have conversations with you this week. In every tiny step that we take in your word, I just ask that you just blow it up for us. Make it so clear what you're trying to tell us this week so that we can find you and find our way away from drifting. We love you. We're grateful in the incredible things that you're doing through these people here at Emmanuel. And I just ask that you continue to provide us those opportunities to love on and influence others in the kingdom. We love you, Lord. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Have a great week. Bring 11 friends next week.